Hi, welcome to Talking Newsworth. My name is Rui Branco and together with Anita Silva, we bring you a podcast where we interview youth work experts and practitioners that have a say when it comes to innovation in youth work, either because they are using creative methods to empower young people, researching on youth trends or responsible for youth policies at international level. Like a shot of inspiration, all of our guests have a unique point of view about how can youth workers shake up, upgrade and innovate on their daily work. In today's podcast, we got to chat with Vika Matuzaite, all the way from Lithuania. Vika is a non-formal education trainer and facilitator with experience working with queer youth. We delved into the sometimes confusing world of LGBTQI plus terminology and acronyms, and we decoded what it means, queer, LGBT, LGBTQI plus, but that's not all. We also talked about what challenges queer young people are actually facing in today's society and how youth workers like Vika can create a safe and welcoming environment where everyone feels included and heard. Or to quote someone's grandma, a space where people matter more than opinions. Did I got you curious? Well, let's talk youth work. Hi, Vika. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning. <laughs> I, as I said before, I feel morningy. <laughs> morningy. <laughs> uh, yes. Ready to go. Fantastic. And hi, Rui. How are you today? Uh, I'm good. I'm not morningy or already. Uh, Is morningy a name or morninging a verb? I'm morninging. I'm. I think it's both. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I think it's a it's a new uh, chapter in the dictionary that might be missing is uh, how we do mornings, <laughs> how we morning <laughs> ourselves. Oxford, listen up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think I'm going to get all the ads for Oxford Dictionary from now on. <laughs> no, uh, people need innovation in use work. They're always talking there about innovation in use work. You should start a project and get all the funding for how to handle mornings. Well, there you go. Actually, there are, there is a project about uh, about uh, holistic trainers. So it's about how trainers deal with a lot of things, and namely <laughs> cycles. I'm not just mornings, but daily cycles. <laughs> okay, uh, enough diversion. Um, Vika, we we always start with our guests asking a bit like, how did they get to youth work? So shortly, can you can you tell us how how did it happen to you? How did you came to youth work or queer youth work? How how was it? Um, it's two different paths, I would say, because mm. before I got to, to queer youth work, it was quite a long path getting to, to youth work. Mm. Uh, I struggled at school, uh, experienced bullying, and that created a lot of gaps. And then there was a big scramble being a teenager of trying to find my place. Mm-hmm. And I just accidentally came across this Catholic organization. Catholic? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's a specific Lithuanian Catholic organization that organizes activities with with young people. And I went to their camp and uh, I think I got hooked, maybe not as much on Catholicism, (laughs) but uh, on on youth work uh, as such, because there were reflection moments and it felt like it was the first time that someone actually cared how I felt uh, Mm. and cared about my learning and my process. Mm, and then 
slowly, slowly from there, I uh, I thought, well, might as well go into like social pedagogics. <laughs> and that's what you studied. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, well, now I got curious. So you were in a Catholic camp. Were they, and, and you're part of the queer community, were they open to that? Were they respectful of that? Yeah, look, I wasn't open myself. Yet. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. <laughs> we're, we're talking, you know, early, to, like late 90s, early 2000s, Lithuania. Okay, uh, okay. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Well, still, it was a good experience and it brought you here. That's fantastic. So, so then the second part of the story, which is what what's your experience working as a queer youth worker specifically? Uh, it was also a slow path, and I think it it uh, it has really developed with my own development mm -hmm. and and acceptance of myself and my own identity. Um, and learning about it uh, slowly, reading about it. Um, and becoming more and more open. And I would say, like, since I started becoming more and more open and talking about it, I've noticed in every group that I work, different group that I work, there were also queer young people. And mm -hmm. that this openness really fosters more openness. Mm -hmm. mm, and I think um, maybe pretty lately, like I would say three, four years ago, I started questioning this element of like why why this doesn't happen in other groups where are no we are youth workers mm. Mm, because I, I I guess there there's more or less queer young people in every group mm. uh, percentage wise there should be at least one two people <laughs> out of ten. <laughs> because actually it's interesting well now i have very a lot of questions in my head but i was i was i was reading these statistics and actually the statistics of uh queer um the queer community uh in comparison to the to the global community in europe is about five to ten percent did i got that right it's very hard to measure mm -hmm. uh concretely and 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 also if you you know how differently people understand queer. Yeah, uh, that's, that would be my next question. Yeah, <laughs> Because if, if we talk like LGBTQI, uh, there's there's a lot of different identities and some of them mm. wouldn't see themselves as queer, for instance. Ah, okay. Mm. So, so maybe we need to go there first, which is, so what does queer mean and what does uh, LGBTQI plus refers to? What are the differences if, if you... If we can. <laughs> is it hard even for you? It is, it is. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll start with, with the letters because they're a little bit easier. Like this LGBTQI plus uh, defines probably everyone who is outside of like normative heterosexual mm -hmm. uh, cis identity. And cis mm -hmm. is when your gender identity aligns with your biological sex. Mm -hmm. um, so that's everyone kind of an umbrella and queer has a, quite a complicated story uh, it, it, it used to be a derogatory term mm -hmm. um, probably in the US as well um, uh, and what has happened is that people have started to to, to take it for them and, and use it uh, to turn it around so it's not an, as much of, of an insult. Hmm. And initially, queer means just a bit weird, hmm. like quirky. 
Um, and I think when it picked up uh, strongly was with, with queer theory, um, when people in philosophy and academia started taking and coined this term mm. and trying to understand the differences um, and, and, and understand different movements. Mm. And at this very moment, sometimes it is also used as an equivalent of the same LGBTQ mm. mm. I uh, plus kind of umbrella way. Mm-hmm. I see it a bit differently myself. Um, and I would say the the for me the indication is is uh, if we seek for equality or inclusion, what's the what's the what's the common ground there? And with general also EU documents and uh, human rights, there's a notion that there should be equality in in a sense that heteronormativity is the common ground. Hmm. So like marriage equality, adoption of kids, as long as you live in, as long as you live as us, nice straight people, hmm. you're fine. Uh, and I think for me, queer goes beyond, beyond that. It goes into um, questioning broader norms and broader structures of society that don't fit us and it goes not just in terms of like sexuality and gender which are very important but also questions intersectionality in a sense how oppressions overlap how systems overlap um it questions body as such body image different kind of pressures uh capitalism critique is also i think in line with that and how how it doesn't benefit us. Hmm. So if I understand you, but correct me if, if I got it wrong, um, queer goes beyond LGBTQI plus because it doesn't refer just to sexual orientation. Um, it, it refers to a more broader sense of how society understands relationship, sexuality, body, etc. Is, is that it? Yeah, well, not just, uh, and I would say also not just sexual identity, but mm. also ge- gender identity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, yes. But yeah. there would be probably as many opinions about <laughs> it as there are people. Okay. Yeah, yeah and I think that uh, it, it got clearer for me because I, uh, you were saying that queer is associated with just being different or weird. And it's it was important for me to hear that it doesn't have to be just with sexuality because uh, i think it's portrayed in everywhere that queer has a, a, a gender or a identity and sexuality attached to it and it it got clear for me and i think it's an important message that queer goes beyond that yeah i, I agree <laughs> So, so going back to what you were saying, now, like in every group, there, you know, there's probably one uh, one person that would identify as queer would would kind of see themselves as uh, not really fitting many of these social norms we have. Um, when you work with these young people, with these queer young people, what kind of kind of concerns do they bring to you? I mean, what what are their challenges? Mm. 
Well, I remember one story, for instance, that kind of hit me very, very hard and probably resonated with me in going back to those Catholic camps where I didn't accept it fully myself. Mm. Uh, That person was 16 at the moment and we were doing a youth exchange. And when we started talking, there was a point where they said, you are the first adult person that I can feel that I can actually talk about it, about Mm. these questions with. so for one thing, there there are no there are very little adult examples that are, that go beyond pop culture that mm-hmm. you can see, uh, and I think these are important, but they also don't don't really answer a lot of more like daily life questions. Uh, don't don't shed a light on that. Um, so I think biggest concern is that they don't feel heard. Uh, they don't feel listened to. Um, I think, and and I mean, I'm also generalizing in that sense, is that they do have a feeling that the world is not designed for them, hmm. um, because they they are co- we are constantly exposed uh, uh, of images of of, of love and ro- romantic love and and different body images, and how life should be, and and they feel that. They don't fit in those boxes. Yeah. Um, and then creates this inattention. Uh, that there's it's it's hard to release it in any way and somehow uh, find find your own space. Yeah. And, and it's a very important need for human beings is the sense of belonging. And if the yeah. world doesn't welcome you, you don't feel that you belong anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think this is something that for uh, for the young generations, I, I see this as, but but since ever, and and by the way, I also mm-hmm. wanted to talk about that, that we we, but I mean, for me as as a cis woman, I I already feel sometimes boxed into boxes that I don't want to belong. You know, like ads kind of show me this type of yeah. woman that needs to be feminine, whatever. That I'm like, well, th- I don't want that. So I can only empathize and imagine what it is for somebody who doesn't, who feels even further away from that image. Yeah. Um, and and it must be so hard to to live in a world where the movies, the music. The ads, the TV, everything. everybody around you, the language, everything is telling you that you should be in some kind of place that you're not, that you that you can't understand, yep. that you don't identify with. That that must be such a struggle that I can't imagine. And also your own family is the image yeah. of that in many cases. It's very, very rare that it wouldn't. Of course. Uh, so like from really micro to macro and everything in between um, is is messaging you of how you should be and you have the strong feeling that no i don't know maybe not <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe i don't want to be this <laughs> yeah. hmm. and there's a lot of of course uh, also with religion and, and culture there's a lot of guilt associated i think or shame that can be associated yeah. with it hmm. a lot and um and I mean, of course, I'm part of the community and 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 we're a bit older already and we talk about it, but still like this sense of liberation, of coming out, self-acceptance, sense of belonging, it's a constant struggle. Um, even when, when it does get better when you get older, but it's still there somehow as, as your shadow. Hmm. Um, and if you don't have 
support early on, um, it can be very, very lonely. And then the statistics probably reflect that, uh, this uh, risk, much higher risks of, of homelessness, drug abuse, suicides are coming from that. From that. So the the queer community is much more exposed to those kind of risks of mental health issues, addiction, yeah. homelessness, etc. Yeah. I know that uh, you shared with us a few um, researchers in this field um, in Europe and uh, Emmanuel. So we're going to share them in the in the text as well because I think for youth workers this is probably some something we need to become more. We, we need to gain more literacy about, right? To, to understand the challenges that young people, that queer young people go through. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, it's evidence-based. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's not really coming out of my head. I mean, of course it is. I mean, mm -hmm. from my own experience. Yeah. But also there's a lot of evidence. Uh, this, for instance, this, uh, this big, uh, EU big uh, LGBTI survey done in 2019 mm -hmm. it it had almost 100,000 150,000 respondents uh, to it of different ages and 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 social statuses like lgbt people um so it's a comprehensive data that can really guide us uh, and and guide us in understanding mm. uh, different experiences right And on that, I wanted to just detour a little bit into history, because I think for for many of us, there's this idea that this is a new thing, that we were all <laughs> heterosexuals, <laughs> cisgender people, and these new generations, they are questioning, you know, what shouldn't be questioned. In inventing But new sexualities. They're, in they're inventing new identities. <laughs> <laughs> all those letters that nobody can follow for what and uh what evidence shows us but probably you know more about this than i is that historically um non-binary several genders all of this has been recognized in different cultures from hundreds and hundreds of years ago and even today there is in india there's the hijras if i'm saying this correctly community which is a non-binary culture Um, yeah. A whole culture that is non-binary, that doesn't see, that doesn't understand female and male as we do. Um, the North American Indians used to do recognize uh, third gender, the, the two spirits, I think it's the called. The two spirits, people, yeah. But I even in Europe, in, there even was... Like in Canada, in their acronym, they have the number two and S, SP. Mm. Uh, so they like LGBTQ... I to SP. <laughs> This is <laughs> two spirits, like, yeah. To recognize the two spirit people, yeah. And even I think I don't. I'm here. I'm not sure if it was in Greece or, but ancient ancient uh, European cultures, uh, in 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 ancient art, we can see um, beards, uh, people with breasts. Um, we can see references to to these different identities. So this is nothing really very new. It's just recurrence no. that we forget about it somehow and we um, exclude these people. Could that be a good analysis? Yeah, that's nothing new. I think the ch big change came with Christianity, you know. Mm. Uh, there's been, I don't know all the names, uh, but there's definitely probably people who can, who can say all the names. But there's been, in, especially in regards to gender identity, uh, there's, there's, there's been in... in Many many cultures, also like in Africa, many cultures mm. had had uh, 
recognition of, of different people. It's just that uh, Christianity and, and Crusades uh, brought in a very strict structure mm. in a way. And, and, uh, and I mean, of course, when we talk about like queer issues, their American history is the most accessible one. I would say if, if you look at the LGBT history, they will always give you Stonewall riots and, uh, and talk mm. about uh, now, what is it, almost 80 year history, uh, 70 year history. But in reality, it has been it has been much, much, much longer there. And mm. also the, the indigenous people in, in, in North America have been saying, you're talking about it as, a, as if it's new, but we had two spirited peoples since forever. Hmm. And was absolutely normal. They were even glorified in, in that culture hmm. because they were believed to have some uh, amazing powers to be able to to transcend both feminine and masculine. Hmm. Yeah, and I I think that it goes also beyond the sexuality and gender identity. It, I think that we're we're uh, coming to terms with the thing that. Every human needs to be in a box. It's the doctor, it's the designer, it's the 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 this or that. And if we start with the human being, yeah, all those things go away. And I think we've we've coming uh, further and further away from the human being, and has to be the the this and that, you know, the human doing, <laughs> the human doing. But but with a special name, you have to do something like this and be that and. But, uh, but, you know, talking about capitalism and the critique of it, <laughs> it our values is connected to our work and to what mm. we do. Uh, it's not connected to who we are as much. Therefore, like these, you know, our values, like I, I guess, where people's values question because it's just who they are, not what they do. Mm. Or what they do is feel uh, preposterous. But, um, uh, but in any way... I think it's quite natural. Also, so sociologists have said that this is how we process things. We box mm. them in. We stereotype, do stereotypes to understand the world better. And the world is very, very complex. Um, and I would say the queer world is as complex. And uh, if you if you go into into research, what kind of identities are there? I get lost. Well, <laughs> I'm of a different generation where I was. But, Quite good with the LGBT <laughs> categories uh, myself, but uh, now it's the alphabet and also numbers. Sure, but but you know it 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 is coming about from also a perspective that uh, we are developing a vocabulary to put ourselves mm -hmm. into, and and I think especially for young people, it is very very important to find that box that you, you feel it suits you. Yeah. Uh, and that goes hand in hand with the sense of belonging and mm. finding a community, finding people who are like-minded. Um, I think it helps in a sense. So so how how do you do that? For, for a youth worker that is listening, that maybe is not part of the queer community, maybe it is, but how, how do you create a safe environment for queer young people? I mean, what would be tips you would give for somebody who wants to be more welcoming, more inclusive. Can, who would like to be maybe that that adult reference that uh, mm -hmm. that young girl in your story a while ago didn't have? 
I would say uh, for me, it's kind of, I like triangles a lot. <laughs> mm. But for me, it's a bit of a triangle of things to, to, mm. to bear in mind. And one thing is that you really need to recognize their identity, however that young person is calling themselves. Mm-hmm. Themselves, it means that's who they are, and you need to recognize it. Uh, right. You need to validate their experience um, and make sure you hear it. And also, you need to make sure that their person, or them as a person, is visible. Mm-hmm. Um, so like visibility, recognition, validation. How, how do I make them visible? How do I help a young person kind of feel that they're seen? The most important thing for me, I would say, is to not say that I don't see gender or I don't see mm. sexuality. Mm. Uh, it is quite common also, but we know from, from anti-racist work that you, you cannot really not see race. Well, even though gender and sexuality are somewhat invisible, mm. but it makes it even more important to make it visible and to recognize that, yes, that, that's who you are. And that, that is probably the, the, the relation to that unique experience that you're having mm. in the world. Um, and it's very, very important to recognize that and to, and to, to really talk to them and hear them and to try to understand uh, what they're going through. Hmm. Um, and I think what I do in, in many cases, and it goes into any type of op- oppression, uh, either it's in- intersectional, whichever group you belong to. Uh, but my, um, I would say my biggest task as a youth worker is to, to work with this internalized phobias. Because oppression mm-hmm. also has this internalization element where you, you know you see homophobia all over. You start questioning yourself. Am I really worthy uh, to be here? Uh, am I really valuable asset to the society? Can I really be something here? Um, and to do that, you really need to, to, to make sure to, to understand that it's not their fault and that actually the society is fucked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they question and box these things that are rigorous and not flexible enough. Um, and then also try to balance it in a way that, you know, how much can you really change uh, by, I don't know, joining different groups and movements and how much not and how much you can actually take care, take care of it, creating a safe environment for you. And there goes also this element of chosen family. That mm. is a is a very important uh, term in, I would say, the whole community. And um, that means that yet you choose the people you are emotionally attached to. Yeah. Is, is that what it means? It means, yeah, it's coming also from the point where probably more, more people were ostracized by their own, like, biological right, families. Right, um, And it's still very, very relevant, um, at least in this part of the world where I am. So in a way, your chosen family is people who fully understand and accept you as you are with your flaws. And it's this unconditional love mm. element. Hmm. So there, there is this idea um, in queer youth work that I really like, um, which is the idea of allyship. Mm-hmm. Can you can you explain better what it is? Uh, <laughs> 
it's it's also not an easy concept for me because I'm queer myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think an ally is someone who is there to learn, to listen. Uh, so somebody which is not from the queer community. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, say we can also be allies towards each other because you know there's someone who's probably I don't know can have a disability and be queer and we, uh, trans people. I'm I'm not trans. I will be an ally for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, to listen, to understand, and and to support them in whatever is possible. Um, and I think. There's a big fear of saying a wrong thing mm-hmm. uh, that I have experienced also in, in this work. Um, and there are communities that also do quite a lot of policing and they, they get angry, but mm-hmm. especially among young people and misgendering. And I had multiple of those conversations where like, hey, I, I know it's frustrating because you expect this to be this chosen family, this safer space. And yet people are confused the same as in the outer world. But we need to distinguish the, the intention. So I think uh, it's always good to try and to to meet the needs in a way. I, th- I think that's a really good... Sorry. Yeah. I, I, think, I think that's really important because a lot of this information is new for many mm-hmm. people, uh, especially from older generations that maybe had not so much exposure to all this. And so um, it's it's hard to remember. It's not something we use every day. It's not yeah. it's not every day that I meet somebody that I know it's queer and then that I know how to use this language. I didn't study queer theory. Um, and of course, it is my responsibility to educate myself. But it's it, a lot of people are just afraid of saying something wrong. You're right on that. Like, okay, yeah. how do how do I re- LGBTQI plus? I did I forgot something? You know, there's exactly. always a, <laughs> there's always a, this kind of insecurity around it because yep. it's new. Um, and the other day, I was watching a nice a nice uh, video about it that somebody was saying like, you know, people complain about all the siglas and all the pronouns and all the, you know, how am I supposed to keep up? But at the same time, they know all the names of the football players of several teams. <laughs> it's like, it's not yeah. a memory issue, people. It's not a memory issue. It's an interest yeah. issue. Um, an intention issue. I would exactly. Say. Exactly. So if if we, of course, it takes effort, but if, if it's out of love and if we understand that this is what it takes for making people feel uh, part of society as as much as I do, then then it's an important effort. So I, I like a lot this idea that we can be allies. We don't have to feel uh, that we're part of the queer f- family to be an ally and to to support yeah, and to ab- listen. Absolutely, absolutely, and to validate. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and I th- I would say like also it's for for a youth worker who who is an ally, and I believe there is a lot of youth worker youth workers who are. Mm-hmm. We also get, I, I, I get confused with pronouns uh, and mm-hmm. I'm from within community and, and you know, I tried to l- read some of the queer theory that I was able to comprehend. Is the language in there is, oh my gosh, mostly. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and I get confused and sometimes as a youth worker, you have to have those conversations where you say like, hey, my intention is good. I want to learn. Please don't get angry at me. Mm-hmm. Um, give me another chance. Let me try. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you you can also promise that at some point you will get it right. 
Hmm. You just need yeah. a chance. And and I think while I was listening and I was the the word tolerance was coming a lot in my head and I think it's tolerance. Every everyone has to be tolerant with the not knowing, and also the 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 curiosity has to be a, a, an element. And like you were saying, it's the yeah. intention behind it. And uh, another thing that was coming up in my mind was beginner's mind. And if if everyone involved goes at the subject with the beginner's mind right uh, it's an openness to the experience of the other both yeah. of both both i think that sometimes maybe the 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 fear of uh dealing with people that react badly to not to the confused use worker is because yeah. maybe the, the previous experience like you were saying yeah. inside the family more mm. of non acceptance and usually of attacks so it, it's 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 difficult it's a two-step process for the use worker to yeah go the first line of defense and then start to get in touch with the need that is not being met mm -hmm. let me challenge a little bit the notion of tolerance because <laughs> <laughs> uh, i i probably would use also this intention of not Tolerance, but maybe inclusion, uh, which is a bit more wide. In, in my experience, tolerance is, is much more distant. It's not fully understanding or empathizing with person, but like I tolerate you. Mm. You can stay who you are. I tolerate you. And this is in many cases is also used uh, in, 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 in the public uh, discourses i would say is yeah i tolerate you you can do whatever you want in your bed just don't go out to the streets <laughs> uh, uh, it was it wasn't the way i was for mm. me it goes with accept tolerance in the sense of accepting your experience yeah not 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 challenge your experience i accept mm. your experience yeah mm. and i would say for for also youth workers it whomever, what kind of identity they are, they also have another challenge in terms of like creating safety. It's one thing of how you address the needs mm -hmm. directly with, with, with people, with queer young people, but how do you also, um, I would say, create this space which is diverse, mm -hmm. where it's not just queer people? How do, how do you set the framework where... I don't know, these debates uh, are respectful like uh, about LGBT issues, mm. about queer issues, that they don't uh, hurt people who, who are actually sitting in the room. Because there's, in many cases, there's a big power imbalance whenever mm. we talk about queer issues. Because for, for like cis hetero people, it is, it is a metaphysical uh, discussion. You talk whether, you know, queer people should be allowed to do this or not. Um, and we hear that a lot in media, on TV, mm. uh, whatever. But what the imbalance actually is that you are talking about real lives of, of, of people. And I've, I've sat in rooms of in the trainings in rooms of youth workers where I'm sitting there openly queer. Everyone knows. And still, because it's such a habit. They debate whether we should allow people to adopt or get married. And they say, do you understand you're talking about my life? <laughs> <laughs> you're questioning whether you should allow me 
to live my life. Yeah. To live my life, however I choose, like my personal life. Um, and among young people, it can also go in, in different directions. So it's very important to, to be aware um, of how you lead debates, if they're happening, how you lead conversations. Um, and maybe if, if, if I could give a tip, that was a very, very, very nice, uh, I would say, working principle that I try to take to every setting that I go, especially if I work with like human rights topics. There was, uh, we worked in, in, in a group and, and, and one of the participants also designing the program, she said that her grandma, Spanish grandma, used to always say that people are more important than opinions. Mm. And I, I took that to this day. And uh, thank you, Rita, and shout out mm. to your grandma. Um, what what it did to my mind and how it helped me to set that this is where you put the balance in a way. This is where you can put a stop and draw the line. Um, and and living in this world of also of glorified opinions, mm. it's okay to create a different space and where you value actually people who sit there, who have questions and doubts about themselves, not to enhance them with like macro or microaggressions um, that can happen as just a learning experience or a debate. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great advice that people are more important than opinions. I think it's a great working principle for, for, for anyone. Um, I have one last question um, before we, we, we go to our previous guest question, a challenge oh. question we always have. But because, like you said, you know, queer young people, they face so many challenges in society that going to a youth center, as, as safe as it can be, it's still just one tiny part of their reality that is being yeah. safe. So my question would be, you know, do you or or how would you advise youth workers to work with families, schools, other organizations? How do it how how can youth work create this supportive network for queer young people? I think one is very, very hard to generalize because everyone, even queer people having a lot of challenges, has a, a unique path. Mm -hmm. And uh, and one of the elements of that path is being family. Um in my environment, uh, which is Lithuania, and probably it says also a lot, we tend to leave families aside because mm. family is some, something that scares young people mostly. Okay. Um, and um, it, it's always good to, good to choose your battles uh, and help young people to choose their battles mm. because sometimes they, they can, you know, they can come out and, and 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 feel themselves at home, but in many cases that can be a risk of, mm -hmm. of becoming homeless. Uh, and it's still the case uh, in many places across Europe, actually. Um, and to this day, when it gets like this topic is very polarizing, and, and the far right is also using it to polarize opinions. Right. Um, so it's always very very good to measure. I would never never. Uh, and that's probably another tip. Don't push people. Don't push people to come out. They will do it on their own terms, and safety has to be pro a priority, an absolute priority. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in regards to schools and outside broader communities, I mean, 
if the youth center is safe and to have even this one tiny safe environment is actually better than none. Mm-hmm. So that is definitely a prerogative to, to create this environment that is safe. Um, and in terms of schools, it really, really, really depends. I've, mm. I've also worked with teachers and um, it's a slow and hard process mm. <laughs> talking about this. Uh, but I would say, that is there possibilities for, you know, doing campaigns, community campaigns or... I don't know, not not with the young person in in a specific case, but mm-hmm. more in general, to to be an ally and to give voice to to queer community by doing I don't know, campaigns about the topic, information materials or uh, other kinds of representation yes. um, methods. I think it's hard to demand of a youth worker next to all the mm-hmm. all the tasks that they already have to do campaigning for that. Uh, but I believe that youth workers should be one of the strongest advocates in, mm. in, in a way in, in whenever debates are happening. But I would say um, one probably how it differs also from, from why queer, queer youth work in, is unique and how I see it as unique is that uh, young people are very, very capable if their agency is stimulated. Mm. Mm, and they can do those campaigns themselves. And they don't have mm. to put their faces on there. They they mm. definitely find ways to do to do that. Um, it's about empowering young people as well to yes to fight for much. the causes they defend. Mm-hmm. And especially you know if if you're in smaller place where like community I don't know in, in villages in Lithuania there's definitely no community and everyone just waits to graduate until they can go to the big cities. You know. To come out, you mean? To come out, to find their chosen family, to start mm. somehow this this process of living their life more authentically. Um, but if a youth center can provide it, it can be very, very powerful. Mm. Uh, because what we do also within within the community, for instance, like a couple of years ago, we organized the Grassroots Pride. And we, the age range in the team, we were around 30 people, was from 16 to 40. And we mm. had a lot of young people that would like you know within the eu framework that would fit the majority was young people that would fit within this eu framework of, of mm. young people mm, and this group is very very capable of, of self-organizing is very capable of of standing in front of cameras uh, doing press releases mm. going to court uh to fundraising and so i think youth workers can can be a big support, maybe not huge, mm. huge pride events, because uh, also takes experience and knowledge in there, but smaller scale uh, activities, events that can happen within uh, safety. Hmm. Vika, this is um, a conversation we could take now for the rest of the day. There's so many questions. Yeah. Um, but uh, we, we want to start um, closing it down. First of all, asking you, um is there any resources um mm-hmm. concrete places where people can go and find information for for uh, as youth workers yeah well at the moment I, I mean unfortunately the call is closed but me and uh Oliver and Emily have formed a team from from tops and we are developing a, a training course working with queer youth 
mm-hmm. uh, with a specific focus on on community. Um, but we definitely look out on Salto. I think we are going to do another one, maybe mm-hmm. more. Um, and other than that, that has things that have been helpful for me as youth worker. Uh, of course, I, I look at it with a gr- grain of salt as, as everything, mm-hmm. but um, there's quite some resources that are developed in the UK and Ireland, uh, which are in English. There's definitely resources in Scandinavia. There's German resources that you can find um, LGBT youth organizations that have developed manuals for youth workers. Manuals for youth workers and working with uh, LGBTQ plus yeah. communities, queer youth work, etc. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I gave you the link, so feel free to add it. We will add them to the text. Yeah. That is great. Okay. So time for the question from our previous guest. Uh, Rui, do you want to Oh, wanna my bring God. It? I forgot about it totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, You're it, not uh, supposed it's, to say that you knew it in the first place. <laughs> but, but I think it's an easy one. Uh, are you oh. capable of drawing a line to stop saying yes when you've reached your limit? Sometimes. elaborate (laughs) Um, I'd say um, that sometimes for me the the cause happens to be more important than myself and I can Mm. tend to go over my own limits to go there Mm. Um, and you know someone's safety and uh, working in groups uh, and having queer people in groups. I would sit all that night and talk with them if they needed, uh, even though I'm knackered. <laughs> and would that would go over my limit. But uh, if I find it important, it's going to Okay. Don't well, draw I, the I, line. I, yeah. <laughs> I think in youth work, we are very militant of our causes and... Uh... Mm. <laughs> and sometimes it leads for being poor keepers of our own boundaries. Yeah. All I right. Think, so, I think it's uh, hmm. it should have a, a slogan for youth workers. It's uh, more than a job. <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> actually a good a good slogan. Bullseye. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would be a question you would like to leave Vika for our next? guest who you don't know who it is actually we don't know who it's going to be <laughs> um maybe maybe i want to ask like what's the greatest change that you would like to see in youth work uh at mm-hmm. this very moment and why wow that's a good mm-hmm. one all right what's the greatest change we want to see in youth work i think it's also a good reflection for for everyone. our listeners mm-hmm. for everyone Vika, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we hope we didn't step on any boundary for you to be here today with us. Uh, it was a pleasure. <laughs> it was such a pleasure to talk to you. I, I think this is such valuable information and um, youth workers out there that are part of the community, that aren't part of the community, that struggle to understand all of this, um, know that uh, you are also seen and your 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 struggle mm. and your efforts are also seen. And we hope that we can be a community as well to to support each other in youth work um to to make us all more to learn and to be more inclusive um of all identities 
Thank you so much, Vika. Thank you. Time has flew, I must say. <laughs> And I thought that I would have so much more to say. <laughs> Maybe around two one, someday. Maybe sure. around two. Yes. <laughs> of course. Anytime. Good luck for your course. Thank you so much. And have a great week. This podcast was brought to you by Team Maish, recorded and edited by Rui Branco for the international project EduLabs, financed by the Erasmus Plus program. Our great partners for this project are the associations ANEV from the Czech Republic, YouthWatch from Slovakia, and of course HOMAC, the University of Applied Sciences from Finland.